podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back together in the studio, slash my office, for a reunion pod. Nick, this is the first time we podded together since podcast 18 back in November. As always though, plenty to talk about this week, uh, with many a last gasp or a jammy goal for me particularly, uh, this game we've just gone. Nick, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you Tom. It's good to be uh, back in London, back together for a, <laughs> for a live pod. It feels like ages ago, I think it was before Christmas, before we did it last, so... Uh, it's great, uh, yeah, to, yeah, to be ready and uh, raring to go. And, and have um, the bonhomie of being in the same room. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you know who we are, but let's say it again, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL online, whogottheassist.com, and make sure to subscribe and spread the word if you like what you hear. Cheers, Nick. So today we're going to look at three issues, defenders and how we pick them, centre-backs versus wing-backs. The third strike and merry-go-round, and finally teams to target buying players from going forward. Before moving on to the features and finally taking your questions. Yep, yeah, and uh, we always appreciate the questions, so thanks guys. And uh, yeah, so Tom, you, you had a good game week, didn't you, this time, for a, for a change? For a change, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I did have a good week, actually. I uh, in sa- On Saturday morning, I, I, I was thinking about it and looking at it, and uh, I, I brought in Troy Deeney in the last minute for, for Callum Wilson. Obviously, when Bournemouth got a penalty, I was very upset and thought, oh no, it's a mistake, but... Josh King took it, which which was great, and obviously Deeney scored scored the winning goal, and uh, and, and yeah, it it became it became a very game week for me. As soon as Mares converted in the last minute for Leicester, big win with Dunk on Sunday too, um, gave me eight points off my bench. I was very fortunate with Ogbonnet ill and a no show again for the ghost of John Joe Kenny, <laughs> um, that took me up to uh, sixty eight overall after David De Gea got me one point last night. Uh, so sixty eight minus four, I'm up to three hundred k ish, but I still need to push on as much as possible with all double game weeks, which means sensible transfers and. And now I've got the crazy hit on my system bringing Dini. I need to start playing a bit more conservatively now. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was an okay game week, but it is a red arrow. I got 54 points. A bit disappointing. Um, I had, uh, yeah, Salah, everyone's own to him. I had Kane and Firmino. Lots of sort of meh, five points and six points. Van Dijk and Davis in defence. But the likes of Kenny and Simpson didn't play. We'll talk about those guys in a bit. Um, and Sterling is still injured, so he didn't play either. So yeah, bit bit poor. I was hoping for a, a cheeky uh, Crystal Palace um, clean sheet last night, actually, but um, ended up wincing the night away as, uh, as Man U <laughs> yeah. continued to score. Yeah, so I, th- I think that you, I could see that you've had that kind of season where you've managed to pull points out of nowhere, and I was expecting that to be a Hennessy clean sheet. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, I, I went off to do something at two 0 to Palace, and I was thinking, yeah, it's got a clean sheet here. And I came back to see three, uh, two. 2-2 and then finally 3-2 in the last minutes and yeah. it must have been a the crown on the head of it of a pretty poor game week for you but well not poor in the middle I should say Mid, very very middling like um, my last 10 or so game weeks I have, <laughs> I've been pretty stationary in terms of overall rank which is a good overall rank so I shouldn't complain too much yeah, exactly. it's not moved at all in ages I think you can still have real dullness despite having not really you know done very much as long as you're kind of fairly okay I think you're, I think you're right in 20k yeah Cool, let's move on to the first talking point today then, which is about defenders, and it's about centre-backs and wing-backs, and I think we've kind of been thinking about this a little bit, we've been thinking about defenders generally, because you know defenders have been such a 
bleep show uh, recently, especially for me. I mean, I've got j- just just for context in the descending order of terror alongside Van Dyke, Ogbonna, Chilwell, Duncan, Kenny. And um, I, I think we were thinking, you know, is it better now? Back in the day, we were always saying, let's have a wing back. But is it better now to have centre backs? With centre backs coming in and uh, either scoring goals or, or recording bonus points. So scoring goals, obviously, is dunk this week, for example. Walling too last night, of course, and uh, Vertonghen as well, uh, recording bonus points for Spurs, despite having not scored for an awfully long time. So I think it's an interesting question whether the dial has shifted between wing backs and centre backs. I'm, be- I'm beginning to think that I. I- implicitly favour centre-backs now over wing-backs just because of how this season has unfolded and how the information we've received has has kind of come to pass and we've had a look, little look at kind of which way we're swinging which way we're going which sounds a bit it sounds a bit weird actually doesn't it? <laughs> but um, yeah that's what we've been looking at this week and uh, Nick do you want to talk first about kind of what you think about wing backs and centre backs and your kind of views on this well it's a, it's a tough question I think it definitely beginning of the season when I was sort of um, promoting the idea of spending um a lot of money on your defence. I was very much in favour of the the fullbacks and the wingbacks. And Alonso is someone who was in my team from the start. He was in my team from the majority of the season. Very expensive player, but in terms of the output that he um, delivered, he was quite rewarding. And then also had uh, Ben Davis at the beginning of the season as well, and he, he did really well. So um, I think at the beginning of the season, I was looking at these ex- quite premium defenders, um, all generally fullbacks. And uh, yeah, very much in favour of these guys, especially um, when teams are playing five at the back and you were seeing these fullbacks um, not really playing as fullbacks, almost as attacking wingers a lot of the time with defensive midfields, midfielders doing more defending than these guys who are spending a lot of time and a lot of touches in the box. And uh, yeah, so I think that was kind of my argument at the beginning of the season. But kind of moving on now, I've kind of become more of a fan of the central defender. And um, I, was, I did some analysis actually of... Um, Goals um, for defenders this season, um, 91 in total from defenders so far this season, 54 defenders in total scored. And um, yeah, so it's actually the the centre-backs have been a lot more dominant. 66 goals out of the 91 have come from centre-backs, only 25 from full-backs. Uh, so 41 centre-backs have scored, whilst 13 full-backs have scored. And that's, that's actually including the six from Golonzo. So he, he vastly improves the stats for those full-backs. But it's the centre-backs that have been sort of smashing in those headers all season. You mm-hmm. know, and you see pretty much every centre-back in the game has nicked at least one during during the season. Apart, apart from maybe Zanka, he, does, he doesn't do much, that guy. But, uh, Duffy hasn't scored yet. Yeah. <laughs> the dunk hammer finally came yeah, down. After so many own goals. But, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a, it's quite interesting. And also, I looked at sort of minutes for defenders, and there's only been four defenders that played every minute this season: Zanka, Dunk, Maguire, and Mawson, all centre backs. You can trust your centre backs to to play week in, week out. While Stephen, with like the full backs, we've had a lot of travails with Kenny and Simpson and Chilwell, oh, and these guys never, never actually playing. And uh, I've got a little bit of risk as well with Davis and Rose, perhaps getting a game, especially with them playing Juventus in the Champions League. I'm a bit worried about that now. I think there is um, a lot to say about centre backs. Uh, just on the, you know, the contradictory argument, and on the other side is is the assist potential because actually. The assists, um, the fullbacks have absolutely smashed the um, the centre backs for assists, so they get a lot more assists. We've had eighty eight 
um, assists from fullbacks, the likes of Cresswell, Walkers, Ben Davis, all on six. Um, we've only actually had 20 assists from centre backs, and no- normally it's because they scuff a header and you know, <laughs> the other centre back scores, like Duffy and Dunk at the weekend. Yeah, they he- heads Petter Czech's hand. And yeah, then or like the Macaulay incident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just not talk about Macaulay's hair follicles. Um, I agree with that, and I think it's very interesting to see that the centre backs are. I think I think that if you've got goals coming from a player compared to assists from a player, you're gonna you're gonna pick those goals. I'd look at kind of the basic points here in the top ten. Um, five out of ten of the top ten are centre backs. The other five are are, uh, are wing backs. And in the top twenty as well, it's fairly evenly distributed. So eleven of the top twenty points scored are centre backs, and nine of the top twenty are, are wing backs. This includes uh, Monreal and Aspiliqueta as centre backs, by the way. I just I think that we I think we can feasibly say can't we Nick that they're kind of that yeah, they are, they are centre well Monreal's been a full backs for some of the season and I think he actually scored it was quite hard when I was trying to pull the numbers because we, we decided to classify Monreal as a centre back but he does play a lot of sometimes in the fullback, but Kolasinac has sort of played that yeah. wing-back-esque role whilst Monreal when he's played has been more of a back three on side so, of the so it's Maitland-Niles as well right yeah, so 20, is it 20 games that Monreal's played centre-back and five he's played full-back yeah, something along those lines, lines. yeah, yeah something, oh, can't believe said that together anyway um and I start looking at things. I've maybe got bonus. Or I've got bonus on the on the brain. So I've been talking about it a lot this week. But I had a look into the bonus points because that is kind of the the potential extra yield for defenders. Like, okay, you might get assists, you might get goals, but bonus I think kind of adds a little bit onto defenders and and perhaps present a, an option for more points if um, they're not going to get goals and assists, which I think are slightly more slightly less likely. So. Of the top bonus, 12 of the top 20 are centre-backs, people who have accrued bonus. Azpilicueta, Jones, um, Koscielny, Notamendi are the top four, and they're all centre-backs, uh, with Trippier um, coming in in fifth. But if you look at the actual BPS itself, what we find is that, incredibly, 14 of the top 20 in terms of BPS, so what they do on the pitch, are all centre-backs. Azpilicueta leads the field. Azpilicueta, by the way, is so... He's machine, isn't he? He's yeah. so good if you look at the data. Like, oh my lord, my lord. Like, he's, the game loves him and he loves the game. Like, he, he is coming in for me, I think, as my Chelsea asset. We'll speak about him later. But the top the top five are Azpilicueta, Otamendi, Walker, Vertonghen and Maguire for BPS. Uh, looking at this all together, you think, yeah, well, you know, bring backs give you the opportunity of enhanced output for goals and assists. But I wonder if it's been over-egged somewhat. If they keep a clean sheet, but offer nothing or little going forward, and if they kind of do and as Alonso and have lots of misses or whatever, they get nothing. Whereas a centre-back, routinely, if they do get a clean sheet, are also more likely to give you those precious extra few points via bonus. But things do look in favour of centre-backs at the moment. I feel like I'm a centre-back's man almost in this kind of new slang we're creating. Behind Alonso, of course, um, for shots in the box for top 10 players, 7 out of 10 of them are also centre-backs, so there's definitely a threat there, and I'd favour goals rather than assists coming from my defenders. Centre-backs, I think, you know, offer more of a complete package, Nick. They offer more in terms of, kind of shots on goal. I mean, you mentioned, like, you know, the occasional flick on assist. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the bonus on offer, if they keep a clean sheet, makes me think, you know what, centre-backs of all defenders are the, are the ones I, I'm, I'm after. Yeah, I think you make a good case there. And um, generally, wing-backs and full-backs, the best ones, um, the premium assets, so to speak, are a lot more expensive as well. And four of the top, uh, four of the five most expensive defenders in the game are, are full-backs and wing-backs. We've, um, we've only asked for Equator, sort of, breaking that mould and uh, yeah I think I think I think we're kind of on the side of the centre-back by the sounds of things I've just 
even though obviously there are those those attacking premium fullbacks, and if they're in form and if they play week in week out, they they, they sometimes can become essential just because they offer sometimes that dual threat. And Alonso, I think he's a very special case, isn't he? So he kind of breaks the yeah, mold. The, a the free bit. kick as well is just so sexy coming from a centre back, isn't it? The, amount, the occasionally just getting random points for a mm-hmm. random event is, is incredible, really. But mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think you've also got kind of the uh, a few kind of characters like you know you got you got the you got your Valencia you got your event you got your Ben Davis love as well. Um, with Davis, you you do have that kind of winger esque output in terms of crosses, and if you watch the games like we did last week and also this weekend as well, um, Davis does offer a lot compared to an orthodox centre back if he's in the team that is. So he could be one I think that could probably break the mold and. Yeah, there's. I think there's a few out there. There's Kalasinac. There was quite high hopes for him at the beginning of the season, wasn't there? And we've had um, Seamus Coleman of seasons past. He's obviously been injured most of this season, and, and then the likes of Walker as well, who you had earlier. He didn't really offer as much as you hoped. I think last season he was he was pretty good for Spurs. Trippier, I think, has been quite good, but he's been rotated. And then you got Bellerin. So there are some very interesting um, opportunities to invest in these more premium fullbacks, but. You know, you have to take what you can get with these guys, and sometimes the centre back can be a bit more reliable. Yeah, and um, we saw with Van Dyke as well. Like this weekend, he just about got nudged out of the bonus, didn't he? I think we were both expecting like eight, eight points from him, and at the end of the game, we were kind of both a bit annoyed that he ended up on six. Yeah. But he offers that ability to. Uh, be a goal threat yet at the same time offers you a pretty good chance of bonus I think so and I think in terms of the the, the weaker teams in the league I think generally I would definitely side with the centre back over the full back in terms of the weaker teams just because those full backs don't get the opportunity to bomb forward and the full backs that we've just been talking about they're all from like the best teams in the league like Chelsea and and United and Spurs and, uh, and City and not Arsenal. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, the thing with the cheap, with the uh, weaker teams, you've got these centre backs, and they play week in, week out. And you know, you, you, if you're going to go for a Brighton defender, for, for instance, you're going to go for Dunk or Duffy, and not you're not going to go for Bong, are you? So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends how you're feeling, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, there was a great, there was a, there was a that great pass from from Lowton this week, and obviously Norton in the past has provided an yeah. assist or, or something like that. Yeah, Stephen Ward. Yes, yeah, or <laughs> Stephen Ward. Yeah, but. I think Stephen Wall was more of a bonus hog, wasn't he? So yeah, I, I think I think on this kind of point, then it seems as though we're kind of coming down the side of, of centre backs, as you said, with a few other exceptions, I should say. Yeah, I think Alonso is a bit of a weird divide in the rest <laughs> yeah. of the defenders, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think we're aligned. Cool. Okay, uh, let's move on to the third strikers then. Um, so you know, it has been a week of third strikers, especially with me selling Wilson and buying Deeney and. Uh, maybe yeah, taking a gamble there and a, a gamble that really paid off yeah so. I think that was the first um, the first offensive gamble that I've done this year um, which is, which is a, uh, this whole season I should say which is which is pretty incredible if you think about it um, but Dini did have two and three and um, it looks like Gracia trusts him compared to Marco Silva compared yeah. to Marco Silva he didn't really seem to trust him and, uh, I, took a, I took a risk feeling that Wilson had become a Rondon and, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what, what yeah, it worked out pretty well for me. 
So third strikers are obviously of interest um, with game week 31 in mind. There are a lot of teams there. Uh, Watford, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, maybe Everton as well with uh, with Mr. Tozen that offer third striker options. And so it's a bit of a hot topic and I just thought we'd uh, address that this week, Nick. What do you think about third strikers and, and how they kind of they kind of work out for you? Yeah, so I did a bit of analysis of the third striker. I'm thinking about, well... I had Jordan Ayer, so it was a bit of a rare week for us both because we both had separate, different third strikers who both scored, yes. and it was, it was within about ten minutes of each other, and we just both couldn't believe. That's like we were like, <laughs> oh, and, uh, and then you were like, Dini, and it was yeah, it was just a bit of a, a bit of a shocking moment, just because we've always moaned about how our third strikers literally failed to deliver. Um, all the time I think I managed to get like one goal out of Jay Rodriguez or something and then had a premium front three but apart from that I've had, I've had nothing all season so yeah, yeah it was quite good uh, but I think for me I probably will still leave because of Swansea not having a blank and I, I was set all week and you know last few weeks you know with a plan of bringing in Callum Wilson for the Bournemouth fixtures but um yeah, I'm not certain now. Obviously, Callum Wilson, he's really not in form. He's, he's only had one goal in, in last six. He's only had seven goal attempts, four on target. You know, that's, that's not, not brilliant numbers. The man actually leading the, leading the way with goal attempts is uh, Rondon. For the, I looked at yes, forwards, yeah. forward um, price less than 7.0. And uh, I was like, oh, Rondon. But no, I don't no, think no. you can't touch him, even though... West Brom has some great fixtures in on our little ticker, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're fancying a really dangerous punt, and then maybe FPL family might be up for this one, but they've got Watford, Leicester, Bournemouth, Burnley and Swansea, the uh, the team at the bottom. But not for me personally, to be honest, Based on mostly based on Tom's experiences in the past. Um, someone I did think about as, as maybe a bit, not really a joke, but I thought, oh, you know, this guy was really good last season. And I was like, maybe I should just go for Josh King. He's 7.0. If Tom's going to go for a punt on Dini, maybe I could go for Josh King instead. He's two goals um, in the last six now. Um, he's on penalties as well. Um, and, you know, he was a proper hero, um, you know, an FPL darling from last season. So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe Josh King. Um, you can't um, talk about first strikers as well without talking about Glenn Murray. This guy has been brilliant recently. And, uh, yeah, he's been a true differential for owners. And, you know, it was another barnstorming game week for him. He's, he's, just, he's just scoring so freely at the moment, isn't he, Tom? I think he's... I think he's had about five goals or something in the last six or so. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, but five and uh, five as uh, five goals in the last six, um, and I think in terms of key performance indicators for strikers, um, especially in this kind of area, it's got to be shots on target because you don't want them to be losing bonus points. I can't stop talking about this because of the shots off target minus <laughs> one. But you want to get players in who are getting shots on target, and and uh, Glenn Murray. If the fixtures weren't as they are, yeah, that's would the be problem. somebody I'd get in. The problem is, is that as, as you've just intimated, and as I'm about to say, I mean, Brighton's fixtures are so difficult, and it looks like they've just about gotten uh, to the point where one more win and they'll be safe. They're on 34 points now, 37 in the future. But the, ne- the next kind of three or four fixtures for them is Everton, Blank, Leicester, Huddersfield, and Palace. So it could be a good little short-term punt. The problem is, is that Blank. Um, if there wasn't a blank there, then I'd be getting him in because other, I mean they may have Man City at that point anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think given that's... the performance, he seems like you know a great first strike option. I think that's the issue for me for Dini. He's got Arsenal and Liverpool up next, so oh, he's not, got... Arsenal's not an easy. Not yeah, 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 true, true. I think we need to update our uh, fixture sticker. We got Arsenal in, as red in our fixture. Maybe red one. Maybe we should change that to a three. Maybe now uh, based on <laughs> based on current form. I think I think the other guy to talk about here is 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 Christian Benteke. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah. So talk te- about Tekkers, yeah. So so Tekkers has not has only had one blank since the turn of the year. 
incredibly. And he is top for pen box touches amongst this kind of group. Um, so I think we've both looked at kind of Dini, Mooney, um, Mounier. Mounier was the other Mounier, one I wanted to yeah, talk about. Wilson yeah. King, Tekkers, J.I.U. and Tozen. And Tekkers is top for pen box touches with 37. He's also joint top for big chances in the last in the last six on five with Murray and also Nias. And he gets a chance every half, basically, of football. Um, Crystal Palace have got one tough game in game with 30, which is Chelsea. But after that... They go on a run where they only have Liverpool of the top six um, towards the end of the season. Obviously, they can have massive uh, motivation to keep going. And we're going to talk about him a little bit maybe in the next bit as well in terms of the players, the teams to target. But Palace's fixtures are so good that maybe there's an opportunity to get Benteke in in, in game week 31 and keep him. As, but, even yeah, I mean, they, they won't have a double game week potentially, though, because they've got a blank. They've got that game week against um, Huddersfield, though for game week 31 so maybe Benteke would be a good one just to have as a one week punt perhaps there uh, I also looked at Huddersfield Mounier we just briefly mentioned him he's had two goals in the last three eight goal attempts five inside the box in the last six he's um, Huddersfield have a great run of fixtures as well they've got Swansea Crystal Palace Newcastle Brighton Watford so might be a good opportunity to get this guy and he's only 5.7 now he had a really good start to the season with Brace in the opening week and uh yeah, he'd be quite an interesting differential as a third striker as well. Yeah, I think this is definitely a case of knowing your onion and making sure that you um, that you look at all these kind of less fancied options. With Mounier, maybe there might be the case that I mean, uh, David Wagner likes to do what Klopp does. I mean, they're quite good mates and he likes a bit of rotation. So maybe there'll be De Poitre every now and again coming into play. Uh, but as you said, it, it, he is looking like a bit of a bargain. Um do you think there's any course maybe to keep hold of uh, Jordan Ayew with Swansea doing what they're doing at the moment? I mean, you mentioned you might probably going to be getting rid, but if those people, especially if they have their wild card slash free hit, would you advise them to keep him or would you advise them to move him on? Well, it depends, I think. It depends on your formation. Depends. Uh, I think after game week 31, Swansea's fixtures do get a bit tougher. They've got quite a tough um, fixture against Man United and they, they aren't playing in game week 31. So that's probably when I'm going to be selling him after the Huddersfield game on game week 30. So I think it depends if if if, if you um, you know if you, you need to make some actual transfers. You only got about six pe- six players for game week thirty one. Then maybe your third strike is not the top of your priority on a hit to just sort out. So it just depends how many transfers you have to do and what your team formation is at this moment in time. I think, but he's I'm not sure. I, I don't know if he's got it in him to last the entire season. He's on pens, I suppose. But I think you're right. Like the third striker ultimately has to be better than the kind of fourth or fifth, mid- fifth midfield option, basically. Uh, unless we go for a super premium free up top, your third strike has to, I think, be two things. One, be cheap enough, and two, be in with a chance of scoring. And at this level, of course, the fixtures need to need to line up. Um, there's no sure things, and I think you're probably right, that maybe, although IU's doing pretty well now, you've got to move him on while, while he's at his peak almost, rather than waiting and then seeing the decline and thinking, oh, God, why didn't I get rid of him? To be honest, he hasn't done much in the last few games. I brought him in. This is his first attacking output. So, uh, you know, um, he's all right. He's all right. I use all right. Okay, uh, let's take a break there, Nick, and then we'll move on to the teams to target going forward after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
So we're back and it's uh, time to talk about uh, teams to target until the end of season. Um, we had a couple of questions on this. Saez on Twitter asked about this and FPL Classico also mentioned Mares and Leicester and if it's just the uh, time for the Algerian trickster. I think you brought him in, didn't you, Tom? I did and I got, I got very lu- very lucky with that last minute goal. It was sublime, actually. It was really, really good. Like, you know, the little bounce just for the keeper. Yeah, really it was a cheeky, cheeky free kick. It, yeah, it weaved was it round. so good. It was a Roberto Carlos-esque. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that, you know, when we're looking at our wild cards, and I've seen a few people looking at their wild cards now, although Ben Crellin has stepped in and said, yeah, don't look at your wild cards yet, wait until everything's resolved, and then you've got the international break to look at it. But there are a few people looking at their wild cards, and I thought this is worth looking at just to kind of point out a few teams that we think are probably worth targeting going forward now. And this probably also applies to people who don't have their wild card or have used other kind of chips and they're looking to just kind of make their, uh, make their plan work over the next few. I think at a top level, teams that we're going to advise that you look at are Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, United and Spurs, and Palace maybe too, uh, with City having a bit of a, a question mark over them, and Liverpool obviously being decent, but at the same time not having those double game weeks. And I think probably a good way to start this is looking at Liverpool. Liverpool, as I just said, have single game weeks. They don't have double game weeks coming up. But the majority of us at the moment, because of Game Week 31, are tripled up on them. Um, but we think we both have got Van Dyke, Solana. Yeah, we've got the same players, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what are we going to do with them, I think, is probably the start before we talk about the other teams. What are you looking at it's, doing? It's, it's really tough, to be honest, because obviously Liverpool, they're in great form as well. They're winning week in, week out. Solar is scoring week in, week out. Firmino is in absolutely brilliant form as well. He's, he's at least getting an assist or a goal, or a goal and an assist week in, week out as well. A revelation this season. Yeah, and he, he looks like he's, he's been a must-own. He's definitely a must-own at the moment, especially because of the no-blank. And um, and then everyone else, I think, tripling up. Even Mane started scoring and assisting as well the last couple of games. Well, weeks, not so. assisting. He never assists, but he's <laughs> just like scoring. He's got a couple of goals. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah, Liverpool triple up is essential right now. It's tough, though, because if they're not going to have a double game week, once we all start wildcarding, we're, we're going to be looking at Liverpool and thinking, hold on, we're not going to want more than one player. And obviously, Salah is basically unsettable. Even if I'd rather own Salah than, you know... To Sigerson playing two games or something like that, or an Altovich even maybe playing two games on these other guys. So. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree. I think I'd agree with that. And the, the thing is with Firmino, like I'm looking at him. I've made a lot of money on him. I got him at eight point five. I've now got a sell value of eight point nine. He's now above nine point zero in terms of buy value. I'm looking at him and thinking, well, you know, in game week 34, um, they've got Bournemouth, right? So that's that's a pretty good fixture for Liverpool, Bournemouth yeah. at home. However, you know, you've got someone like, and we could talk about United first, perhaps. You've got someone like Lukaku with West Brom and West Ham as his two fixtures. Yeah. And it, it creates a really interesting kind of question for FPL managers. Are we going to keep hold of those players who have done well for us over the last year? Or are we going to be thinking, you know what? Yeah, ch- cheers, Bobby. Thanks for all the support. But I'm moving you on. Exactly. I think, yeah, would you rather have Bobby or Lukaku? Lukaku's a little bit more expensive, so it's not a direct comparison. But I'd probably, for me, I'd probably want um, Lukaku or even maybe Aubameyang because Arsenal have Newcastle and, and Leicester in the game week 34. They've also got West Ham in game week 35. Um, but I think if you talk about the midfielders and what's um, what's available for the likes of Manchester United, you're not going to be plumping necessarily the money for Sanchez. He's probably going to be unaffordable, and I don't know if he necessarily will be a player that I, I'm looking at 
Yeah, I think not. Uh, the thing is with Lukaku as well. Um, I, I mean, he's only just recently come into the four, and he's he's obviously he's got three and four now. And Man United have been giving us sleeping lessons, I think, for for for, for a yeah. long time now. But over the course of the next few weeks, um, after the, after the blank, uh, Lukaku has West Brom, West Ham, Arsenal, Brighton, and Bournemouth, uh, whereas Firmino has Bournemouth, Stoke, and Chelsea. So Lukaku has those extra fixtures to do better. If we can monitor his form and he does kind of end up ticking over with kind of small scores, you know, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. he could be worth getting over having Firmino. If there's one game between them, then you've got to think that that extra six points from Lukaku is going to be really, really useful towards the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. And I think Manchester United, you're going to look at coverage. I might end up just sticking with the defence. If, if Lukaku doesn't fit my mould for my team, then he may not be enough because I think, obviously... Harry Kane, Spurs have a double. They've got a tough game against Manchester City, but they've also got Newcastle in game week 34, um, Brighton in game week 35. So I don't think anyone's going to be thinking about sending Harry Kane. He's going to he's going to cost a chunk of the budget, and then you've essentially perhaps got space for one more premium forward. And you know, there's there's the likes of Aguero that can also potentially make a case for being in your team. Though of course we talked about it a little bit that's um, with Gabriel Jesus being back potentially and um, the, uh, the title being sewn up and and involvement in other competitions, we might see Aguero rested in the league. Yeah, City are also a very interesting one. So City have uh, City have uh, you know potentially got as you as you said as Spurs and Brighton as their uh, double game week in thirty four. The thing is is that they're going to start changing how they approach games because they're going to have wrapped up the title. So players like Kevin De Bruyne, Sterling, Sana mm. are going to be saved for the Champions League. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, we've got to see how Pep does it. But I think it can bring, bring players. And uh, Andrew Yee spoke about kind of Man City and kind of what our approach is to them. At the moment, I'm I'm rocking the cityless look. I've got no city players whatsoever. It's worked out for you though, because I had Sterling and KDB last couple of game weeks, and Sterling hasn't played, and and I've got the red arrow, and I know that sort of caring is creepy, I guess. But I've had Sterling for quite a while, and I've got a lot of cash tied up of him, so I was like, oh, I'll see if I can hold hold him. And now I've got them, and now I've got them both for Stoke, which I'm quite pleased about. But then they've got the the blank in game week 31, so I might sell one after after the Stoke game. Probably maybe KDB just because. I think Sterling, because of the value of, even though he's dropping, the value has still got tied up in him. He might be a quite a decent differential again for the, the end of the season. Hopefully, he's recovered from his injury. Yeah, you had him at seven point nine, didn't you? But yeah. I think towards the end of the season, though, we're going to start kind of looking at uh, looking at Man City assets again, because. I mean, well, you know, bet- between uh, 30, 29 and thirty two, it's a little bit difficult. But after the double game week, uh, with, with potentially. Tottenham and, and Brighton at the end of the season the last three games are Stoke uh, are West Ham Huddersfield and Southampton maybe a Phil Foden hunt yeah exactly <laughs> um, so you've got kind of the Phil Foden's you've got maybe Bernardo Silva who's going to be playing Zin- in the league Zinchenko Zinchenko yeah but he's, <laughs> he's a midfielder as long as he's not, yeah, yeah. not left back he could uh, be another player who comes in I think the, the one who could come in and do quite well is, is Ben Mendy uh, uh, social media superstar <laughs> Mendy, a six point three. When he did play, the crosses and like, the actual dynamism down that ring he provided is absolutely ridiculous. Like if you played him, played the City on FIFA, he is an absolute beast. And I think mm. that these are all players who could potentially come in yeah, and, and do a, do a job for us, especially the peripheries. But with City, I think our kind of maybe our main point here is to wait and to see what Pep does when, once they've won everything. 
I think I think you make a, a good case, and uh, yeah, I think there's there's going to be some teams still still fighting, and uh, you know Spurs are probably still fighting for their Champions League slot, and so and so will Chelsea be, and as Chelsea have. Southampton and Burnley in in game week thirty four. So I think you mentioned earlier on the pod that you were you were thinking about Aspilicueta as a, a decent option, and uh, I see I see you've also put that maybe Hazard is an option. I don't know if I can go that far. You know I don't necessarily trust him, but someone like uh, William maybe um, a good option, or I might go back on Alonso if I can fit him in as well. So yeah, I think Chelsea they've got quite a good run of fixtures up to the end. They've had a rough. Um, rough moment. Um, West Ham, Southampton, Burnley in the game week thirty four, and and then Huddersfield in game week thirty five. So yeah, not not too bad fixtures for Chelsea. And, uh, and I think you wanted to talk about Arsenal as well. Um, and it depends on their Europa League progress, but they'll be, they'll go they're going for the fifth place trophy or the <laughs> sixth sixth place trophy. Uh, sorry, yeah, now, yeah. Isn't it? We're so far off there. I don't think it matters anymore. I think Wenger should probably go, but that's that's a point for maybe a football podcast rather than this one. I could fill up a long time talking about this, but. Um, for Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal's end of year is absolutely ridiculous. Um, from this point, um, they only play Man United to the top six. They have no real difficult fixtures because they've got a double game week in the, in game week 34, which is probably going to be United, uh, Newcastle and Leicester both away. I think the kind of the key man to look at is uh, BPS Darling of, of recent times, Aubameyang, mm-hmm. um, who... For all intents and purposes, actually, I mean, we said in prospects and the prospects as well, didn't we? That he doesn't he take he doesn't do a cane, he doesn't take lots of shots, but the the shots he takes, he makes sure they're on target and makes sure he's got a chance of scoring. I think that he's a decent option for sure. Um, obviously, he's a bit expensive, and we've spoken about Lukaku a minute ago, and maybe there might be a bit of a decision to make between the two of them, if, unless we're going to go for a, a proper premium frontline. Yeah, I think Aubameyang's a bit more sexy, isn't he? As a, as a new op- new opportunity, new option to to select from, and there's not really anyone else um, from Arsenal I would be looking at if Monreal gets fit maybe he'd be a good option he's, a, he's another person who's a bit of a bap styling I guess yeah um, I think it's Arsenal in general I mean Mkhitaryan yeah, as well the, the, the fixtures are so good uh, game week game, game week 30 to 38 reads like so uh, Watford Stoke Southampton Newcastle Leicester West Ham <laughs> United, Burnley, and Huddersfield. And if you say anything about <laughs> Nick's opening his drink, anything about Arsenal is that we we start playing when we've got no reason to be playing well, and we're going to be playing these teams. We've got better players than them, despite the fact we've you know we've got despite no. Despite that, they, they languidly wander the pitch like Ramsey yeah. and Ozil and <laughs> even Shaka. even walking. I think we could beat a lot of these teams, and maybe Aubameyang learning the league might come up with an eventual. You know adding the third, fourth and fifth goal um, on anything really that they do. So maybe Aubameyang's one. So have a look at Leicester maybe as well because Clasico asked us about them. Um, I'm probably going to keep hold of Mares, and I think we're probably both getting rid of our full-backs after Simpson not showing up in the last game. (laughs) Chilwell not playing. Uh, I think that maybe Maguire is the man um, that I'd be looking at as as coming in. So Mark Maguire, he's been really good this season. He's He's one of the players I mentioned that's played every minute all season. He's a, he's been a really good signing for Leicester. I think Vardy's potentially another option as to if you can fit him into your strike force. He's um he's kind of in that weird gap as in he's not a premium for forwards, but he's far too expensive to be a third striker. And then I think um yeah, all Brighton's perhaps another cheaper option within the midfield. 
Yep, and I think if we go down to kind of the, the, the kind of the, the, the cheap level, uh, one team really stands out towards the end of the season. I think it's Crystal Palace. Uh, I've kind of mentioned briefly Benteke a minute ago, um, but after the Liverpool game in, in 32, they've got a very very good last five fixtures. They've got Bournemouth, Brighton, Watford, Leicester, Stoke, and West Brom. The only problem is that they don't have a double, but. These could all be players that we'd be looking at. So maybe we're looking at Tompkins. Maybe we're looking at players like you know MacArthur, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Maybe if he uh, comes back, Miljojevic. Maybe yeah, yeah Miljojevic for for the random penalties and the random kind of overhead flicks. Um, what do you think about Palace, Nick? What do you think about those kind of cheaper cheaper teams that maybe could uh, could feature yeah, for I us? Yeah, I mean, to me, I think I think having a play, having a team that has a double game week is quite crucial. So I'm not necessarily going to be. Um, Looking at Palace, I've actually been tripled up for Palace for the majority of the season. Oh, of course you have, yeah. <laughs> With my Hennessy Spironi goalkeeping duo and and Loftus Cheek is still lurking on my in you, my bench like you a still, bad you smell. St- you still have him? Yeah, I just haven't been, uh, had time to transfer him out. A sort of phantom limb just kind of hanging around. Yeah, essentially. But um, I thought about maybe bringing in someone like Malojevic, um, and I'm going to make him. I might roll my transfer actually this game week. I haven't really thought about it too much, but I think um, definitely for 31, it might be a minus four just to get rid of some of the dead wood. So I've got some playing players as well in game week 31. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Bit uh, tidying up, I think. Yeah, yeah I think it's it's definitely worth doing, especially if Ruben Loftus Cheek is just doing nothing. He, he was such a good fifth yeah. midfielder, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean Loftus Cheek, Simpson, Kenny. I've got these people, and they just they just need to go. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, We've mentioned a few teams, we've mentioned City, maybe Bernardo Silva, maybe Mendy, we've mentioned Arsenal, Aubameyang, we've mentioned Chelsea, Aspi, maybe Hazard if we if either of us can go back to trusting him, which is probably yeah, very... Maybe, maybe Christensen as well. Christensen, yeah, maybe, a little bit unlikely with, with, with both of those. I uh, quite like the idea of William as well, but the uh, thing is, like, he's just another rotation, but say Pedro like breaks his ankle or something like that, maybe I'll look at William. <laughs> yeah. I don't know at the moment. Yeah, um, we got we got Leicester, but probably with Mahrez and maybe with Maguire United De Gea and maybe Kaku I don't think we can either we can trust Sanchez especially with that particular mm, see if Phil um, Jones can get yeah fit, maybe yeah. Sanchez does get random FPL assists though I don't know if you saw the assist last night but it kind of pinged off a couple of people and, and went to the eventual goal scorer but there's yeah. no way that was an assist for yeah, him I'm not sure about Pogba and, and Jay Ling's Lingard oh, again don't have to say that <laughs> Spurs, Spurs you've got Kane Eriksson and probably Kane uh, Eriksson Dave, maybe Dave, Addy Dave, and Davis Batonian yeah, and the, and then uh, and, and then Palace, and I think that there's kind of it, it will continue to evolve. I think Nick, and it will, we will continue to kind of see some players come to the fore. I mean, you, you saw Josh King last year, and maybe there'll be another player like that who comes out of nowhere and gives us an option. But yeah, I, I think there's quite a few teams that we can be looking at, and, and quite a lot of kind of fertile ground for our uh, for our wild cards. And we'll talk about this more kind of next week. I think. Yeah, I think there's a few red rabbits out there, isn't there? Yeah, red rabbits to be shot with pink bullets. Okay, Nick, let's uh, move on to the feature section after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're going to do our feature section pretty quickly this week. Um, so the first one to talk about is the anti-messers. This is our team of players that we try to keep under 10% owned. And last week, obviously, because the meta, the template really kicked in, they didn't do very well. Um, but this week they did a little bit better. So we took out Rashford and Cahill and put in... 
Koscielny and Dini, Captain Dini, mended up with 56 points, didn't they, Nick? Yeah, they did pretty good. It's a 400,000 place rise up to 1.6 million. Maybe they can hopefully break the top million. I saw they picked up a couple of cheeky clean sheets as well, likes of um, Edison and Vitonian doing well. And Aubameyang as well, another um, decent differential there because he got a goal. But Giroud, um, one-pointer, maybe he, maybe he, his time is up. Yeah, maybe. And we've still got the wild card to do. And as I said last week, we're not going to walk away from this. I think that we, we're going to uh, we're going to do our do our best to make sure it works. Um, but at the, end, at the end of the day, I think it's interesting to see that now the template has really kicked in. Yeah. As every now, every, it was a week every now and again where people like me taking ridiculous punts and people at like the anti-metas are going to do well. Yeah, I guess the inverted world of the anti-metas. Uh, um, at the beginning of the season was a bit, a little bit uh, short-lived. Yeah, exactly. I, I still find it ridiculous. They got in top 100k after a little while, and like uh, they're putting me to shame. Remember those podcasts? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, the anti-metas—they're uh, they're doing better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's, um, it's now time as also for our other regular feature, which is the market forces, where we're gonna just look at some of the FPL data to um, look at the, the key movers and shakers and some of the trends within the. Uh, Economy, the FPL economy, um, and what's going on. So, um, I guess the first talking point is um, Sterling's being sold heavily, over 120,000 net transfer outs so far. And he's um, also had a price fall, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an awkward um, sort of uh, market forces for me because I've been hanging on to this guy, I haven't sold him yet. And yeah, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah I guess I don't know, maybe I should be. I don't look at these numbers because he's going to continue to fall, but I, I, I can't really sell him. Pre-Stoke, what looks like is actually happening, perhaps to a number of people, is they're bringing in his um, teammate Sane, and it's a little bit of a sea change there with um, people selling Sterling, bringing in Sane. He's slightly cheaper than Sterling at the moment. He's eight point five instead of eight point seven. He's been in good form as well. Um, he's been, you know, getting goals and assists and um, linking up very well with Aguero um, and you know, very attacking Manchester City team. And I guess, um, yeah, some people looking at Sane thinking you know, he's a straight swap. And Stoke, um, they've conceded more goals than any other team in the league, so it kind of makes sense. But then Sterling is actually meant to be back this game week. He's, uh, you know, yeah, City beat them seven two last early on in the season, as we talked about in the other pod. And um, but Sterling is meant to be back. He's, he's he's in training. He's getting ready for the Champions League game against Basel. If it hopefully for me, I think if, if he makes a cheeky substitute appearance for about half an hour, gets his you know, feet wet for the uh, the big game at Stoke and maybe it'll be a, another differential. So I'm kind of hanging on to him a little bit personally, which is, you know, is, I'm going out on a limb here, you know, another phantom limb, but uh, <laughs> giving it a go. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, I think. I mean, if I hadn't have sold Sterling last week, I mean, on I, I said last pod that I wasn't going to sell anybody. I mean, on Wednesday night, I had a couple of drinks with a friend, an ex-colleague who's really into fantasy football as well. I got a bit carried away and removed Sterling for, for Shakiri, thinking, yeah, I'll just do it, get out of the way. <laughs> the gamble being that he didn't play against Chelsea. And luckily, he didn't. So it was kind of, you know, three points up. Um, but I am a little bit worried this week about selling Sterling with Stoke. Um, and you can see that there are a lot of people who are trying to feed on on this potential one-week punt, effectively, for Man City. Um, there's a couple of other players who are in the top 20 who are from Manchester City. You've got uh, David Silva, um, who's re- returned and, incredibly, is 78 I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really uh, believe that he was. So, he'd fallen so cheap, but he really has brought in by 20, almost thirty thousand people now, and surely more. Uh, looks so good against Chelsea, despite the fact that Chelsea were walking around like granddads. Yet at the same yeah. same time, I think that he he could be one. I mean, I had him in a couple of times this season, but he he has been one who has been consistently performing if he's been playing. 
Yeah, definitely. David Silva's um, been pretty good in recent form. It's, it's quite an interesting market forces, really, this game week, because all the players that are being transferred in aren't playing in game week 31. So it's, it's either that people aren't looking at the next fixture after this one, or they're just thinking about a one-week punt and they're not too bothered about you know ownership for the game week 31. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which way around it is to be honest, because you'd have thought most people who are still active and playing the game at this stage of the season might you know have the foresight to look two fixtures ahead because we got we got Son being bought heavily, 55,000 transfers in, and that's basically on the back of his two goals against Huddersfield. He got a 16 pointer, which is a great score for him. But if you actually look at the five games before that. He um he got two three two three one so he hasn't necessarily been in the best of form within the Premier League at least and even in the Crystal Palace game he only made a ten minute appearance so it might be that he is um, still that rotation risk and despite a great game against Huddersfield he might play against Juvent- Juventus again and then be rested for um, the Mello or, or Mora or something in the league so it's a, it's a bit of a gamble for those fifty five thousand people that have um, transferred him in and then you've had. Glenn Murray as well, looking like a decent option as a third striker. Yep, he's been brought in by almost 35,000 people, Glenn Murray. And in fact, I mean, you just mentioned there's a kind of a, a sod the blank uh, theme to these. But we have to look down to number 18 of the top 20 to find a player who has a blank game week fixture who's being brought in en masse, which is absolutely incredible. And maybe just shows the fact that engaged managers are holding on to their transfers and we're kind of seeing uh, those kind of less engaged managers, I'm going to call them, um, bringing in players now off the back of the uh, off off the back of the performances on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. And you can see that with like with the likes of Wilson being sold even though he's got no um he's got a game in game week 31 obviously. That's kind of like a, a lot of people perhaps are doing a Wilson to Murray type move just um even though Brighton obviously they've got I think they've got um, they've got quite tough fixtures, haven't they? They've got Manchester City, they've got Everton, and then they've got the blank. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a strange one, I guess. Um, you know, Mkhitaryan and Jones. I think they're the last people we just quickly cover. They they're second and third for most transfers out over thirty thousand for both Mkhitaryan. I guess that was kind of like an experiment that people thought might pay off with him his uh, hat trick of assists. But um, after poor performance in Brighton. Obviously, people have seen enough of him, and Jones has been injured. A lot of people doing a sort of Jones to Davis swap, like I I did prior to this game week. Yeah, thirty three thousand transfers for Davis, and you know you, maybe there's a couple of people worth mentioning here. Um, Robertson and Alexander Arnold are showing up as our uh, in the top twenty as Liverpool defenders are being brought in again. Van Dijk is not showing up here. Um, but the two wing backs are being brought in, Robertson by sixteen thousand and Alexander Arnold after kind of free bonus last game week at four point three by fifteen thousand. Um, but I kind of wonder about that, especially now uh, now Klein's fit. Uh, definitely, and I think it's interesting actually in the Champions League game. They've um, Klopp's opted for Marino and Gomez as the fullbacks, so it might be a gamble that pays off if um, Marino and Gomez play in the Champions League. Those guys might play in the league. Yeah, I think so. Well, we'll have to see how Klopp does it. But I think that is the risk, as we spoke about earlier on the pod, with fullbacks and their risk of rotation. And we saw a lot last year that Klopp rotated the fullbacks quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Pochettino does that as well. Yeah. And you must be worried as a Davis owner that you're going to see some rotation yeah. after Davis is playing in the Champions League. Yeah, that's my concern. Davis, um, Juventus is tomorrow night. But yeah, if Davis plays, then yeah, that is a concern. We'll see if Danny Rose um, gets some more game time if he's not in commentary still. <laughs> 
Cool. And the final one I think is probably to talk about is Walcott. Uh, so Walcott has a, a home fixture next against Brighton, and he also has a game week 31 fixture against Stoke. But he's being sold. He's being sold on mass, uh, 17,000 sales. And funnily enough, one of the guys who looks to be being brought in by a few people doesn't appear on our list, but this morning I mentioned him on a, on a tweet is Mo Salah. Mo Salah has been bought by 10,000 people and had another price rise. I think that's kind of crazy. As I said on the tweet, it's basically like, this isn't missing the boat. This is jumping into the sea and swimming after the boat three yeah. months after, six months after it's gone. It's, it's crazy stuff. I, I, I can't believe that people are still buying Mo Salah. I mean, there's obviously one or two people every year who don't, for whatever reason, buy the, the form mat. You know, we saw Ramsey, we've seen uh, Mares, we've seen maybe Alonso last season not being owned by the people. And people like us who have owned Salah for a long time are kind of those people who are rubbing our hands and thinking, yeah, we're going to climb above you or keep climbing above you. He's become almost an auto-captain pick as well now, hasn't he? Even though uh, we'll, we'll get onto the captain picks a little bit later this game week. But yeah, he's just... He's just been absolutely brilliant, you know. You run out of superlatives um, when you talk about Salah, but yeah, just crazy. There's people are still uh, still uh, transferring in that guy in, yeah. Yeah, I feel ours is not a high horse. It's not as if we're saying you know you've got to own Salah or, or you're kind of screwed. But yeah, if you have if you don't own Salah right now and you're still playing FPL, I, I kind of wonder why you're playing FPL. Maybe you're playing for the lulls or something. I, I don't I, I don't know. Like the anti-messers. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. All right, uh, let's move on to the community section after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with um, the Who Got the Assist Mini League. And it's, it's all changed. It's, it's another sea change at the top of the league. Can't believe it. Um, Damitane, after about 25 weeks, maybe more, at the top of the league, he's dropped off the top spot and uh, Jamal Rice team names taken over. He got a 59 pointer with, and he's now up to um, 1,897 overall score. And his overall rank is pretty decent as well. He's right at the top in overall rank 12. Pretty good week for him. So, like Captain um, Mane got eight points for him. Robertson Holabaz eight pointer. What, what a differential that was. And um, he actually had Otamendi, though, on the bench, so he missed out on six points there. But, uh, yeah, 59 points, that's pretty decent. But um, poor old Demir had a bit of a shocker with only 40 points. Who knows what happened to him, you know, but he's uh, he's been dropping and he's dropped off the top spot very sadly for him. Um, I think it's just maybe his captain of Kane didn't really work out. None of his uh, differentials paid off this game week. So, yeah, um, shame to hear that, but well done, Jamal, for now being top of the league. Yeah, well done, mate. Um, obviously, we've, we, we, he follows us on Twitter, and we've had a couple of chats with him. He's like a really sound guy and knows what he needs to get to get to number one. He's, he's targeting 81 points next week. Oh, that's a big, and, uh, big one. Good luck, Jamal. Now we're rooting for you. We're definitely rooting for you, Dan. Absolutely. We're, we're, not, we're not, not rooting for Demir Tanay as well, I've got to say that. But obviously, we've spoken to Jamal a little bit, and he sounds like a really sound guy. And, and obviously, we're hoping for a holiday in Barbados as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well done, Jamal. We'll be, sent, we'll be sending the Neon Watch mug over there maybe <laughs> yeah maybe hopefully hopefully we'll be able to do it in person who knows maybe he's some sort of you know, superhero or something anyway um, in, in third uh, we've got heroes and villains we've got Simon Rutherford and, and Simon's been uh, was this this week's uh, champion FFS I believe and has been speaking to us as well a little bit on Twitter um, doing very very well um, he got 54 points this week took a minus 8 unfortunately 
Um, but still finds himself 55th in the world after a Salah captaincy, Unmares as well, and Cedric and Davis um, gave him clean sheets. In fourth, you've got Jugetto, Georgi Bozhanov, who has 18-29. Unfortunately, he's about kind of over 40 points after Simon. And in fifth, we've got uh, Stevie Sunshine, haven't we, Nick? Yeah, cruise control. He um, he did pretty well, 69 points. That's pretty decent innings, Salah captain. But um, Son got him 16 points, Mane got him 8 uh, Mara's got him 10 so you know a powerful midfield there that um, really delivered the points for him there and he, he rose back up into the top five after dropping out um, from last week only one point um, ahead of uh, Andrew Ferguson two girls one schlapp who's, who's I think been in the league pretty much since the beginning there so uh, yeah one of the ever presents I think in our league we kind of pick him up and uh, well than Andrew it's the shame that you've uh, you've been kind of popped out a little bit of the top five um, so we've got a couple of shout outs this week the first shout out is to Lee and Sam from FPR Family um, Lee's coming on next week for game week 30 he was initially going to come on for game week 31 but we kind of felt it was going to be a bit of a drab week even though there's a bit of build up about it he's a real really cool guy I met him a little while ago near here actually down by Liverpool Street uh, I met him actually in a drunken colleague who wouldn't get the hint that we want to talk about football <laughs> and uh, yeah I'm really looking forward to having him on the pod and having a chat with him um, follow them on FPR Family on Twitter and search them on YouTube as well they do a really really good kind of like yeah, a stream. yeah really good streams worth checking out if you're into your YouTubing definitely worth listening to yeah for sure and I, I'm aware we've had a few kind of guests recently and I think it's, it's worth saying on on air almost that we don't really plan on being a perma-guested pod uh, maybe they'll have kind of one or two guests towards the end of the season but predominantly it's going to be, be about the two of us and hopefully uh, our, our kind of banter or, or kind of however you enjoy our relationship who knows yeah, I mean, we're back in the studio, and you can probably tell that we've we've been drinking this time. So <laughs> that's, that sounds that sounds terrible. Okay, and the final thing is, it's a shout out. It's not really a shout out. It's more of a shout out to myself, which is a bit weird. Um, okay. We've got we've got a new article coming out this week on BPS and how it can improve the fortunes of defence midfielders. Very glad to see that other places such as Fantasy Football Fix um, are getting involved in the discussion regarding BPS. And again, I noted this week there was another explainer from FPL about bonuses, and I I, I feel like. I can get as annoyed about this as I can about Arsenal but I've been saying ad nauseam just show us the working this thing will be taken out of a lot of the controversies however I'm going to keep doing those how the F did they get those uh, posts every week Um, I did one this week on Cenk Tozin and on Aubameyang and how the hell they got free bonus in the matches they played in so if you guys do enjoy that breakdown I'm going to do that for the next kind of few weeks and see, see if you like that because I, I kind of nerdly like looking into it and hopefully it'll be something that you know going forward FPL will address yeah definitely um, shall we move on to the questions then and I guess the uh, the first question is about keeper value and uh, Stabilo5 on Reddit has said I wish I had set and forget David De Gea from game week one at 5.9 million he should come straight into our game week 32 teams when we activate our wild cards, or, or should he? Or should we persist with cheaper options? And there's a few examples here: Fabianski, uh, Pope, or Heaton um, by game week 32. Canisius, and uh, use the one million pounds elsewhere. Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it, on keepers? Uh, I think that I'm going to say that I, I put the hair in. I think maybe around Christmas, and I honestly haven't looked back. It's a question of it's kind of like a question of whether you're going to take the bait and switch because you're going to get that one million pounds to, to reinvest elsewhere, or you're going to have that kind of certainty of points. De Gea does. I mean, they've not kept a clean sheet in the last 
four or five, I think. The things that Dave saves is that he does give you that ability to give you saves for whatever reason. I think one of our, one of our kind of main criticisms at the start of the year was that goalkeepers from premium clubs don't offer you the save points that other other people give you. But yeah, Dave has done it this year because United have been so terrible almost at the back. I think, yeah, there's a bit of climbing down from our original arguments at the beginning of the season, I guess, um, when we were talking about the 4.0 set and forget. And I guess you, you kind of left that, and I've been left sort of fighting in a sack continuing to try and you know fight that case so that Elliot ended up um, being rotated I then end up so rotated with Hennessy and it just it's just been a season to forget for me personally in terms of goalkeepers and um, I may be thinking about how I'm going to realign my strategy for next season even though it's always good when you set and forget you find someone who's dirt cheap and then you can um, and then you can uh, rotate um, and uh you know, spread the value elsewhere within your team. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting argument. I think possibly for the wild card, I might be tempted by the likes of David de Gea, who's going to have um, better fixtures, or maybe someone like Tibor Courtois. But you are it is right that maybe like maybe Fabianski is another option, or, or Pope. Even though he's got sort of, there's a bit of a Pope heat and uh, risk there, isn't there? Yeah, there is, uh, and I think that he represents an asset that if you own him and just leave him, you've got one less spot in your team to worry about because Man United's defence is always going to be fairly decent it means that basically um, you can you, you have to work in the confines of not of having spent a lot of money on, on a goalkeeper I mean uh, Stabilo said that obviously De Gea was 5.9 he was 5.8 when I brought him in and I've been able to work a decent team around him you've got to obviously make a few a bit few more sacrifices within your team, I that's guess. It, that's it. But, uh, it's interesting. I think going forward, we spoke about United earlier, and United have a decent end to the season. They play Liverpool in uh, the next fixture, and they've got Man City in 33, and they've got Arsenal in 36. But other than that, they've got very good fixtures, and you could feasibly see six or seven clean sheets out of those, perhaps. Very good for having Dave saves there, just to think, you know what, I don't have to bother with Jones, I don't have to bother with Smalling and all that kind of rotation. That's pay for Valencia, who's a little bit more expensive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm united less at the moment, and I'm not too fussed about it. They, I think they've been quite lucky to have done as well as they actually have done this season in terms of league position. And I, I don't think there's anyone within that team that's really stood out to me as an FBO asset all season, apart from maybe De Gea, as you mentioned. Yeah, uh, maybe it's a case of, you know, that particular thing when we were saying at the beginning of the season 4.5 and 4.0 goalkeepers has gone for good that's probably what we're saying I mean, maybe maybe we are more willing to accept premium keepers than we were yeah, before yeah. alright uh, moving on I think uh, the next question is from Peter Brooks on the Unfiltered FPL group and it's about wildcard watch which is quite interesting so I saw the FPL editor as well had posted something on, on Twitter about is it best to do a wild card in game week 32 or do a wild card in game week 33 if you still got a wild card going, of course? Um, and w- w- what are the pros and cons of doing each? Um, I think this is quite an interesting one because we both we basically both got our wild cards, haven't we? And we're both kind of sitting there and thinking, well, when are we going to do it? Um, I think, Nick, you were saying that you're going to do your wild card maybe in 33 because Liverpool's fixture in 32 yeah, is pretty that, decent. Yeah, that was one of my... Um, 
key arguments, I guess, for holding off on the wild card. You get you get to hang on to those Liverpool players that you might be selling for at least that one more fixture against Crystal Palace, um, and also I guess um, some of the other teams as well that you might be wanting to hang on to your players for. I guess um, I guess also with um, holding off another week, and it depends what state your team is after game week thirty one. But um, you've also got like an extra week to plan for, and you've got an extra week to organise. And I think if you wild card and one week earlier, you might find that oh, within, within a week and a half, you suddenly have an injury crisis on your hands as every player you just wild carded in somehow picks up <laughs> yeah. a knock or a suspension. And I think that's, I think there is a little bit of a risk there. So I'm, you know, I'd rather keep those Liverpool players perhaps um, for one week more, and then uh, yeah. Go from there. It know. gives you more information, at least. Yeah, more it? information for sure. Yeah, I think that is an interesting thing. Um, for me, I think I'm getting a bit bored of my team. Um, I'm getting a bit bored of kind of the same players week, especially for my defence. I've mentioned a couple of times that like having those same players week in week out, and also having the same kind of key men, the free Liverpool. You know, I've had Shakiri in this week. Um, You're bored of Shakiri already. <laughs> I'm just having the same players as everybody else. And it might be very good in 32 to get the players in that I want. The key, I think, for me is looking at when we get the game week 34 fixtures, looking at what team I want and how much it costs me, depending on my current budget. So last year, I had a lot of money because I, for whatever reason, the, the rises went in my favour. I had about 105, 106 million in the bank, so I could I could spend 103 plus. Mm-hmm. This year I've got 104-ish, so I can only spend about 102, which means that having the players that I want to have for the end of the season is a bit more of a, a time-critical thing. So it means that I'm going to have to make, in 32, make a team and think, well, am I going to be able to, A, leave it and have a good week in 32 or B do I need to make these transfers now and it's something to kind of wait and watch about and I'm not too sure Peter whether we're able to say right now what the right way forward is Um, but I'd advise making a team that you want for 34 and thinking am I going to be able to buy this yeah no that's fair enough I think also in game week 32 a point I think I made on the other pod as well was Chelsea and Spurs play each other so if you're thinking about bringing in Chelsea and Spurs players on your wild card maybe you want to wait a week because after that Chelsea have West Ham at home and Spurs have Stoke away which are much kinder fixtures for those clubs and if you're going to wild card in game week 32 you might be thinking about double Chelsea maybe triple Spurs and that could be five five key players all tied up in an absolutely horrible fixture that you might think oh hold on a second why don't I hang on to the likes of Firmino or, or Van Dijk or Robertson uh, already in your team so that's kind of that's kind of my thinking right now to be honest I think that makes sense because also if we're both going to uh, we both have our free hit chips and tax and I think yeah. neither of us are using it in 31 if we say that we're going to use free hit in 35 then at the end of the day, you need to do your wildcard in 32 to have the have the rolled over transfer. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. It's an interesting one. I think maybe it will come down to how everything's looking after the blank. And maybe we'll talk about this on the blank game week a bit more and have maybe a wildcard special. Because I think we'll yeah. both be looking at it. Um, but yeah, very interesting question, I think. Yeah, and I guess um, it's sort of similar style of question is about binning gaming 32 I guess this came up on market forces where we made our opinion clear um, so Adam on Twitter said Walcott keep or bin and I 
I mean, that's the thing. We mentioned Walcott's being sold, Wilson's also being sold. And these are players that aren't doing well. You talked a lot in previous pods about Rondon being your bets noir from previous seasons because you kept him for that West Brom um, kindly blank fixture and and he was just doing nothing for you. And then, you know, Walcott's got Brighton and Stoke up next and and they're great fixtures. Let's Let's not beat around the bush. You know, those are good fixtures for the guy and he, he had a great start to his Everton career with um, with the brace against Leicester but since then it's, it's been four blanks in a row for the guy and um, you know I think for me if you have Walcott I wouldn't be thinking about selling him I think you if you're selling him it's like the question is who who are you actually going to be bringing in you maybe you'll, maybe you have to look at someone like Shakiri, but he's playing Manchester City this this game week there's there's not too many options. I mean, unless you're like grading to likes of um, Mane in Liverpool, but then that's that's not really a straight swap, is it? You might be looking at someone like um, you know, a Huddersfield player or Crystal Pritchard, Palace, maybe Crystal Palace midfielders. I suppose Zaha's coming back, but I don't think Townsend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ta- to cut inside and shoot, man. But yeah, I think for me, it's probably a case of you. You must have like bigger priorities than selling Walcott right now I've got certainly a lot of issues to sort out within my team and if I had Walcott even though he, I'd be annoyed to be um, I probably wouldn't be selling him still I'd probably just be waiting and watching because at least he's got two nice fixtures and he's definitely playing game week 31 that's, that's my opinion at least yeah I think that's interesting I, I, I obviously sold um, a player who had a 31 game in the, in uh, in Wilson this week but I did bring one in who had a good uh, had a 31 as well in Dini and I think that even though my advice a little while ago was to make sure that you were prioritising quality over quantity, game week 30 is next, game week 31 which is the blank is after that. So maybe at the moment you have to be looking at kind of a narrow pool of players to be bringing in. If you're selling Walcott, I think maybe, I mean, I just kind of mentioned him a second ago, uh, but you should be looking at maybe Huddersfield. They've got Swansea and Crystal Palace next. There are two games that I'm sure that they would have targeted the saying, we need to win these to stay up. And you're going to be looking at players uh, like Alex Pritchard, like Aaron Moy, if he's back from injury. Um, maybe Rajiv Van Lepara, who seems to be on penalties as well. But uh, those sorts of players are going to be the ones you're going to be bringing in. Very marginal guys. There's no guarantee of doing well. And as Nick said a minute ago, if you have other issues, I wouldn't be sitting there thinking, yeah, I need to I need to remove Walcott. Look at your other problems and deal with those first. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm sure like I've got so many trolls in my team like Loftus Cheek and Simpson and um the other guy, John Joe Kenny, but then I think probably Kenny's gonna lurk around anyway, like a bad smell just because of that. Oh yeah, the, the, the ghost so. of Ke- the ghost of Kenny I think is gonna stay there for me. Yeah, it's definitely a case of k- kissing the lips, I guess with <laughs> that one. But, um, yeah, anyway, let's move on to the next question. It, this is did about thirty one, the numbers game. Uh, so Jeff Musselwhite on Facebook and the idiots boss on Reddit asked how many players is a serviceable amount for the blank game week? Uh, David Slade also said um, he asked about defenders and keepers so we've got sort of free Liverpool and, and Shakiri. I guess is the basic who's, who's around that as well do we think I haven't even actually got Shakiri personally but yeah, I, I think it's I, I think probably, you know we spoke about this with uh, with Ben Crellin as well and I think I think the number I'm going to be looking at is probably eight maybe nine um, I, yeah. could, I could get ten in for a minus four 
is it worth it? I don't know. Because you've got those three Liverpool, you've got Shakira you don't own, and I'm sure you're probably gonna be looking at owning for that for that fixture for uh, for, for Stoke against Everton at home uh, uh, maybe it's either Stoke it's either Shakiri or if I go for someone like Walcott or maybe a third striker like uh, Dini or, or Mounier or, or even Josh King I think it's, it's a tough one and I talked about it on, we've talked about it lots on the other pods but it's, it's just like I've ended up getting in like sort of Ericsson and Baby, so I really haven't sort of played to a sort of a planning for the game week 31 uh, strategy. But I think definitely my next transfer and possibly next week and maybe even hits will be just to load up to make sure that I've I've got enough coverage, maybe eight or nine, and, and that'll be much more than most people, especially if you look at the market forces stats, which seems to imply that no one is actually thinking about the game week 31, yeah, it's, which it's, is a surprise. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I, I think that we as engaged managers look at game week 31 being a blank and we have that in our heads as being something to really bear in mind when we make when we make our transfer decisions the reality is that a lot of the people a lot of people just just don't do that they kind of see who's doing well we saw with market forces you just mentioned a lot of people were just like well give me a hand we'll jump out the window and we're going to take these guys and and do our best with with what we've got and no, they don't even think that in game week 31 oh god like I, I've just bought a load of players who aren't going to be playing um, a lot of the time the focus is on the game week to come so I think that we're going to be doing pretty well with 8 or 9 players I wouldn't worry too much if you're looking at 6 or 7 almost I, I, I know that's crazy but if you think that everybody is going to be Captain Salah which is the key point of anything that I've written on this if everybody captains Salah then you've immediately got a dampening of a free hit chip. You've got a dampening of your advantage over other players. And maybe if you cover Firmino, you cover um, you cover uh, Van Dijk as well. You cover Shakiri. Then that's a lot of the key players that everybody owns covered, right? And I th- yeah, I agree. And I think one of the key points, I guess, to take away, and it was kind of like this last season with like the West Brom as we mentioned, but the likes of Walcott and Wilson, a lot of people actually brought these guys in early because they were planning so far ahead for this game week thirty one and you know a lot of us were thinking in five six game weeks and these guys that just haven't performed and if you've had these guys sitting there getting two two points week in week out when you could have been looking at form more formal players you know like maybe even like Len Murray or someone then you'd have ended up netting a lot more points even with the Murray blank so it, it's a it's a tough one I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be in the players but you know just uh bear it in mind and make as long as you've got about eight eight or so then you, you'll probably be set and I wouldn't worry too much because I think going for 11 is perhaps just a, a bad strategy in the long run so um, shall we move on to the next question then Tom um, it's about mini leagues and mini league leaders and Richard Skeener said he's 100 points behind his mini league leader um, what are some plays to help him out and uh, yeah it's an interesting one as well because Nick you are a mini, a mini league leader and uh, you, you are well, 60 points now ahead of your nearest competitor. Who it is was Goop. over 100 at one it, point. It was over 100 at one point. It's, it's, it's Goops, uh, Neil Gupta, who uh, often uh, get, gets, a, gets a shout out here. And uh, I think it, what would be interesting here is rather than me saying what I'm going to do if I'm chasing you, I think as an indie leader, what are the kind of things that you don't like to see, Nick? From well, your competitors. I, no, <laughs> to be honest, I, I try and avoid too much mini league strategy. For me, it's about overall rank. I'm actually in a 
So we're talking about a league where some money is involved. Not not very much money, but there is money involved, and it's it is a bit scary when you see someone like Goops sort of on your tail closing the gap. And it was pleasing to see that he struggled this game week for a change. <laughs> <laughs> his um his first striker Wilson didn't deliver, and I was I was quite pleased for you, Tom, actually, because um you you did really well, but you're not a threat at the moment. <laughs> no offense, you're still over 100 uh, points behind uh, me. So and can... Andy Goodlum was saying, oh my my rank has dropped to Tom levels, which probably just underlines how bad yeah, you've exactly. done things this season exactly and I think um, yeah, so Goops um, has been doing really well he's, 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 he's been on Shakira, he's been on the Guerrero. some of these guys have just done really well in the last couple of game weeks and uh, yeah it's a it's a tough one but I'm not one of those guys that kind of like you know mullies his way into uh, copying the team of the, the player behind him in the league just to just for coverage you know if I could if I wanted to I could have got Shakiri and Wilson in in an attempt to sort of you know prevent Goops from overtaking me too much but I didn't actually look at these guys I thought about my general strategy for the game and I, you know I brought in Babies maybe it's not necessarily the best move but you know at the end of the day I didn't I don't I don't play a mini league game I, I play for overall rank and my idea is to, to do well in overall rank and and do well in mini league of course as well because if you try and model yourself you you try and play against the guys ahead of you and if you're in Richard's con- um, situation where you're trying to chase points you know if you if you don't copy the guy who's ahead of you your team say so you, you know you could have done it earlier in the season a lot of people try to say oh I'm not going to bring in Mo Salah because I've missed out on points already and there's a few, quite a few people actually early on in the season said that about Salah and Kane I'm not going to bring in these guys because I'm going to go for differentials I'm going to bring in you know Lukaku and Sanchez and, and, and these guys bombed whilst you know Kane and Salah continued to get points week in week out and if you had Lukaku and Sanchez you would just fall in heavily yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting one because um, um, at the end of the day, um, you, you've just mentioned a couple of things. So obviously, you've got to cover these key guys. You've got to limit your exposure. Exposure is, I think, a big, a big term which uh, we call cover in FPL. But exposure in financial markets is about limiting your exposure to risk mm-hmm. effectively. And you've got to have, yeah, you've got to have targeted, calculated differentials against guys like you, who who are people are chasing. Um, I, I think what I can take from that is that if Goops has players in who are doing well, have decent fixtures and the differentials that because of whatever reason you can't quite get to, that sort of thing makes you a little bit uncomfortable. I know you're looking for overall rank, but yeah, it kind of may, it does make you a bit uncomfortable, yeah, doesn't it? If yeah, but especially Sergio. I think Sergio's been doing so every time Aguero's done well, there's a couple of times in the last four or five game weeks. I've just, my rank's plummeted. So I'm still top 20k, but I was at 8k um, about five game weeks ago, and it's just it's just dropped, and it's it's been very stable the last couple. But yeah, so it's about I think maybe it's about it's about um, if you are chasing, I think it's about having big hitter differentials which your mini league leader can't quite get to. So stuff like you know like with 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 Aguero, we've just mentioned you couldn't get him because you had Firmino. Had Kane, and yeah. you, you had Kane, and you got Kane as well, and it's about kind of looking at maybe a next level kind of thing but looking at those players that perhaps these the mid-league leaguers because of how they've been set up they can't get to and making sure that you've got like a nice little differential in and out 
which will which will make the difference. And um, you know, sometimes I mean, you've got the chip lead over Goop, so I think you're probably going to be home and dry. Um, but it's a, it's about finding those little kind of differentiation points, isn't it? And hoping you get lucky effectively. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I guess moves on to the final question. Um, many have actually asked about this, but um, Naughty underscore Oreo on Reddit put it best when he said. United haven't been keeping clean sheets recently. Salah has the better form, tougher fixture. Kane has the better fixture, but his form isn't as good as Salah. So where are we going in terms of captaincy picks? FPL team of the week. He asked, um, are Chelsea, Hazard, Alonso also options in the mix for the owners? I think it's an interesting one that um, in terms of Chelsea, so you've got Crystal Palace next. I would not be surprised to see um, some sort of bounce back there I would never ever own Hazard at the current moment and that might change by game week 34 who knows and by my wild card who knows um, at the moment if you own Hazard I think that's a very very good fixture for him if you own Alonso I, I wouldn't captain I wouldn't captain the defender I don't think um, if you own Hazard that kind of that is that option is on the table for Salah versus Kane on this point, I think a lot of it comes down to, well, I, mean, I did a few kind of posts last week on the fact that Salah has the, has the higher floor, Kane has the higher ceiling. Uh, Salah is the guy that you go to if you want a guarantor of points, whereas Kane is obviously a bit more of a, I think it's, it's about kind of 50% blank rate for him. So you either get a lot of points or you get not very much. But Bournemouth away, I owned Kane and Captain Kane back in 2015 when Bournemouth away was on his on his roster. Mm, and he was a differential then because he scored an own goal the week before and everybody had sold him and I still owned him. Got my zero points the week he scored an own goal. Kane Cap- does love Bournemouth actually. Captained him against Bournemouth, got a hat-trick. Mm. And for me, I don't think the armband's going anywhere else. I think this week... For the majority of the community, the armband is also going in nowhere else. Yeah, it reminds me of a fixture actually um, a couple of seasons ago where I was watching Spurs play Bournemouth, and for some reason I did not own any Spurs players. I was watching my flat, and I was just like, and but they absolutely thrashed Bournemouth, and I just was like what I was like because I'm a Spurs fan, and I was like really unhappy. I was really unhappy. <laughs> I was just like watching my team like annihilate Bournemouth, thinking. Why the hell do I not own any of these players? I, I, never, I never get that as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never not watch not my not team and like anybody. <laughs> not in a long time, Tom. But yeah, I guess uh, for me, and I guess this moves on nicely to the sign-off and the captain choices. Um, I'm, I think I'm leaning towards Kane over Salah. I captain Salah the last couple of game weeks, but I just think you know, Manchester United is a tough fixture and if, if Salah is going to be blanking at any time soon or have you know an off game, it, it will be potentially be against Manchester United because you know Jose will park the bus he'll have someone like Manmark um, he'll probably like a job for like Herrera or, or Matic or someone literally to like stick to Mo Salah like McTominay Scotland's new hero yeah McTominay maybe will get the job just to stick to Salah like glue and not let him and I remember they did that a couple of seasons ago where Herrera market uh, Manmark's hazards out the game and it was very, very dull and drab so I think um, I'm going to be leaning towards the um, the Kane match, even though it's worth making the point about um, Salah, I guess, um, being rested for the Champions League, whilst um, Kane is more likely to play against Juventus. He's probably pretty much guaranteed to play, whilst Salah has actually had the midweek rest. So, uh, yeah, maybe Salah is um, a decent pick, but for me, I'm, I'm leaning towards Kane. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kane always plays, so I don't think it does. I don't think it matters if he plays against Juve or not. The easier, the the way to look at it is the fact that I mean, maybe there's a bit of gambler's fallacy about it, but you always need to pick the player who's going to you think is going to score the most points. Um, Kane's probably going to be ubiquitous captain, so everyone's going to be captain him this week. However, there's a reason behind that, and maybe as I said last week, this whole period is about having a holding pattern and making sure you do well in a fairly kind of dry period for FPL. If you don't captain Kane, I think that you're you're going to be liable and be exposed to a lot of risk this week. Um, so I think it might be best to to captain Kane if you don't own him. Um, good luck, <laughs> but uh, maybe you know Man City. On Sun on Monday um, against Stoke might be quite good. So if you have Aguero or you have uh, you know Sterling or something like that, it might be fairly decent. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to have to be Kane for me, captain. And just to talk about you know my team as well as part of the sign off this week, I'm going to be probably doing one of Dunk or Kenny out for Schindler. Um, a, a couple of exciting. Yeah. I know it's, it's really exciting. A couple of fairly good fixtures actually for Huddersfield. They've got Swansea, and then uh, in the blank they've got Crystal Palace. So you've got to be hoping for one at least clean sheet out of those. And Schindler is only being bought. I mean, a lot of people have asked me why I'm favouring Schindler. Nick, well, he's but... on your list, isn't he? So <laughs> <laughs> the key reason I'm buying Schindler is because you don't own him. <laughs> so I've got, I've got Zanka, so. I know exactly. Zanka <laughs> was <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess um, for me, I'm, I'm, I am planning on rolling my transfer. Um, there's no one particularly this game week that I want to bring in, and um, yeah, most of my team have favourable fixtures. So uh, yeah, I'm probably I'm going to roll my transfer, but I think it depends if, if Sterling's definitely ruled out or something. Then I may have to um, do like a sort of Sterling to Walcott switch or something like that, or CE maybe even <laughs> something like that. Perhaps just to, to sort out the team, but I guess it depends a lot on um, Raheem's um, fitness because if he's ruled out Stoke and and of course it's Pep, so he's never going to say. Then, um, yeah, um, then I'll then I'll perhaps um, sort out my midfield in preparation for game week thirty one early, or maybe even just do a Loftus cheat to Milivojevic just to um, you know enhance the the midfield. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, thanks for that, Nick. So uh, there's a theme to every every pod. Uh, last week uh, it was obvi- it was obviously Franz Ferdinand. It was Franz Ferdinand, and uh, Andy Goodland got that very very early on. Didn't mean to make it so obvious, and hopefully this week is a slightly less obvious and slightly less around, slightly less kind of mainstream. Just to say that we are who got the assist. You can find us at whogotthisist.com. You can find us on Twitter at wta underscore fpl. Yeah, and if you want to join our league, it's 1538-17403 to join and we'll be back after next weekend's games yep and we'll be back with Lee from FPL Family um, who will be recording in person with us hopefully you've enjoyed a, a slightly different sort of pod when we were in person and yeah it would be really good to, ha- to have Lee on um, so we hope this assisted you and goodbye cheers bye 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 cheers bye <laughs> It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.